All right. So this morning, I want to talk to you guys about one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's a story here in the end of Luke, in Luke 24. And I love this passage of Scripture a lot. And I've actually preached, uh, preached from it before. Actually, here at uh, when I first came on as the youth pastor, actually it was like, I guess, the week or so before I was actually the youth pastor, I came in to the youth group. This was like April of 2013. And I came in and I preached this message on uh, Luke 24, which is the, uh, where Jesus reveals himself to his disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's the story we're going to get into. So I preached that message on a Sunday night to the youth group before I was the youth pastor, and Pastor Jeff was in there, and um, uh, Christy and Gary Larson were in there. And afterwards, I preached, Gary Larson came up to me, and he said, you know, that was a good message because... Pastor Jeff was taking notes, and then like the next week, apparently, he used some of those notes, so he's been stealing from me for the past seven years, and so he's probably going to hear this message, and next week or whenever he preaches again, he'll probably share some of these points. So I want to talk about this message, and at the end of this story of Luke 24, Jesus, I'll just give you some spoilers here, Uh, Jesus is talking to these guys on this road, and the very end, these people look to each other, and they ask this question, and this is the same question I want to ask you this morning, is weren't our hearts burning within us as he talked with us? Weren't our hearts burning when Jesus was there with us talking with us about the scriptures? Weren't our hearts burning? And so that's my question to you is, is your heart burning for Jesus? Is your heart burning for Jesus? And so we're going to get into the story right now. After the story, I'm going to give some... Uh, points or some, I, I like to call them like mile markers or milestones, kind of these uh, check, checklists, I guess you could say, this heart checklist, where I'm going to give some points about this story and some points about what it means for our hearts to be burning. And you're going to, as you listen to these points, you're going to actually be doing, hopefully, you'll be doing some heart work, some examination in your heart and let the Lord work on your heart as we talk about these points. There might be some of these points when you're going to just agree with them all, like, oh, yes, that's so good, yep, yep, yep. But there might be a few where I say, uh, if, I, if I talk about your heart being burning and you're not burning in this area, there might be something like that. And so then we're going to have a call to um, prayer at the end where uh, there might be a situation in your heart where you can come before the Lord and receive prayer for that or just meet with him, all right? So that's where we're going. There's the table of context for this uh, passage here, for this sermon. All right, Luke 24, let's get into it. So here's the context, what's going on. These two people are walking on a road. Good story so far. And they're walking away from Jerusalem right after they heard about the resurrection of Jesus. So this is resurrection day, maybe resurrection afternoon. And they are talking about all the things that just happened. So we know that uh, the Friday before this, Jesus died on the cross. And then three days later, when the women went to the tomb to uh, uh, put spices on his body, he wasn't there. So these women, all of a sudden, they ran back to the disciples, started talking about it, and this was the talk of the town now. Is this true? Did Jesus really resurrect from the dead? Is he actually alive? Or did someone take his body? All these questions were going on. So this is the scene here where these two people are leaving Jerusalem and walking to Emmaus, and they're talking about it. So let's read. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. 
As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. I'm not sure if they were downcast because there was a stranger that just came up to them and butted in on their conversation. They are probably offended a little bit. Like, what is this guy doing? Like, he's just coming in here asking questions. We don't know who this is. They were sad about what was happening. They were sad. They were, they were not sure what was going on. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? I love this question of Jesus. What things? You can just kind of hear the, the sarcasm here, the, a little bit of humor, right? Um, and I think actually what he, what he did here, why he asked this question like this, is because he wanted to know what was in their hearts, right? We know that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. So instead of Jesus coming in there and just explaining to them right away, he was actually listening. He's a good counselor. He was sitting there listening to what these guys were saying, how they interpreted the times that they were in, and Jesus wanted to hear where they were because he wanted to fix them, but at first he had to know where their hearts were in order to fix what was broken in their hearts because we'll see in a minute that they are a little bit broken They're a little bit fearful. They're a little bit misunderstood. They're not really sure, confused. Uh, And so we'll see Jesus fixing this in a minute. Then they said to Jesus, well, the stuff that's happening about Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. So far, so good, right? right? A good description of Jesus. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So there's a little bit of uh, brokenness right there, right? They're like, we hoped, but it's not looking good. You know, we're not really sure what's going on. We thought he was going to beat this thing, but apparently he died. So the end. But then they're like, but, I mean, is it the end? See, you can hear them kind of discussing this and and, and working through their theology here of like, well, well, wait a second. What is more is this. It is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. So there's their story there. All right. Pretty good story. A little bit of it was like confusing because they're like, we're not sure what's going on. Here's Jesus' response to them. He said to them, how foolish you are. Man, can you imagine? They don't know this is Jesus yet, okay? They don't know it. They're just hearing this stranger come in, butt in on their conversation. They give a pretty good story, a pretty good description of what's happening. He's a stranger. They're, they're taking their time to explain it to a stranger. And then this guy's like, how foolish you are. Can you, you know, they're probably a little offended, but they're also probably like, yeah, we agree. Because Jesus is the truth. So they're like, they feel that truth happening right now. They feel that truth. They feel the grace of Jesus on this conversation as they're talking to him. They, 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 they sense that. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's saying all these things in the past, all these prophets in the past, what we know as the Old Testament, they would have known these scriptures. They would have heard these stories. 
They would have read Isaiah talking about this man, Jesus, this Messiah coming that would have been crucified and resurrected from the dead. That whole story, the whole gospel is in the Old Testament. Read the book of Daniel. You'll see Jesus everywhere in there. And so Jesus is saying to them, how did you guys not see this yet? Haven't you had the scriptures? Haven't you grown up with the scriptures? And yet you have not seen me in these scriptures. How You're a part of this story right now, and yet you are blind to it. How do you not see what has happened just now is fulfillment of scripture? How foolish, how slow you guys are. <laughs> did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? This is my favorite verse right here maybe one of my favorite verses. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Can you imagine that Bible study? This is a seven-mile walk, so I don't know how fast you are. I've been trying to run every morning, trying to run for a half marathon. So I've been trying to run a little bit every morning, and I get about uh, 10 minutes into it, and I'm already huffing and puffing, and I've only ran about a mile, and uh, that's a good day. 12-minute mile is, a, is my normal. Uh, I'm getting there. But this road on the seven-mile road, they're probably walking for a good two hours, right, through the hills and through the valleys and ups and downs. And Jesus is explaining all of the Scripture to them as they're walking. I don't know about you. I like to walk around. It, makes, it helps me think. And so they're walking, and they're, they're, their mind is racing, and this man, Jesus, is explaining everything to them. That's a pretty good day for me. As they approached the village, seven miles later, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. I like this part as well because you can kind of feel like, the, like Jesus is like probably wanting to stay with them and talk more, but he's kind of like, all right, guys, I'll see you later, waiting for them to say the next thing. But they urged him strongly, wait, stay with us. All right, all right, you guys, I'll, I'll stay with you. Once again, he's checking their hearts. Do they really, do they, did they really listen? Did they really feel their heart burning as, as I was talking to them? He was waiting for them. And then, he, then those people responded, wait, come back, Jesus. So Jesus is like, all right, they're wanting more. They invited me back in. So he, uh, they stay, stay with us for nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. No! we had him. We had Jesus in our house, and then he just vanished, right? Probably some of us as well when we have these moments of praise and worship in our house, and then the next moment, the child is screaming for something, and all of a sudden, Jesus is gone from my heart. I don't know how that happened. Just shut up. I'm trying to worship God. I don't say shut up to my kids. I promise. <laughs> So they, they disappeared. Then they asked each other this question. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Do you feel that this morning? During worship, do you feel that? Do you feel that during the preaching of God's word? Do you feel that burn in your heart for more? Then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Don't forget this is seven miles from where they are. They got up, and it said that it was evening and dark, which in that area, 
was probably when the thieves came out. You know, we read the story about the Good Samaritan. The thieves are on those roads, and they didn't care because their hearts were burning, and they wanted more of Jesus. And I bet they didn't think about running back to Jerusalem. They didn't think, oh, Jesus must be back to Jerusalem. Let's go. They were probably just retracing their steps trying to find Jesus because they're like, well, he just left us, so he's probably not very far away, so let's run and search for him. He's probably just right down the road. And then they realize he's not right down the road. Well, maybe he's a little farther because my heart's burning for Jesus. I want more of him, and I'm going to go chase him down. They ran another mile. It's been a mile. Where is he? I don't know. Keep going. They kept going and going and going and going until they finally got to Jerusalem, and then they found the 11 there assembled together saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. Then the two told that what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And then after this passage, right after this, really, it says that Jesus walked into the room. And so there he was again. Can you imagine these two people? This is a really good day for them. Walking seven miles, having a great conversation with each other, uh, they found, they saw Jesus, ran back to tell the 11, Jesus appears to them again. This is an amazing day. And, this, and then Jesus, once again, in that moment when he's in the room with them, he breathed his spirit on them. He explained more of the scriptures. It says that he opened up their minds and they understood the scripture. This is an amazing, uh, amazing time for these two individuals. And so that, that question there about the, the burning heart, as we talk about Jesus, as we think about him, as you're around other people, is your heart burning for him? And what does that mean? Have you ever been around somebody that's just uh, really intentional with you, asking you how you are, sitting down with you? They do more asking about you than telling you about themselves. And it's real intentional ministry. Uh, maybe it's like a, like a counseling ministry. And, and you just feel like, you don't want to leave certain people's presence. Have you ever felt that before? When someone comes to you and they're very intentional with you? And I mentioned uh, Gary Larson a minute ago with that story about him with me and, and, and uh, Pastor Jeff when I first preached. And, and, you know, Gary Larson was one of those people where it was like he would talk to you and my heart was burning. <laughs> my heart was burning for more what he had to say to me because he spoke prophetic words into my life. And I was like, oh, this is so good. It was a father figure to me, and, and, and that meant so much to me in my life that that voice of, the, of a father would speak so prophetically to me that I just wanted more. I just wanted more of that. My heart was burning. And so as I read scripture, my heart burns for more of him. And so I want to try to explain what this emotion is, what this feeling is that these two disciples were feeling. What is the burning heart? What is that? And so I'm going to uh, say a couple points here, and I might not spend a whole lot of time on, on all of them, uh, but I just want to, this is the mile marker here. If I say one of these points and you don't really burn for that, then there might be a part of your heart that you are reserving for something else and not Jesus, okay? And so I'm going to just throw these out there, and, uh, and I'm just going to give the word of God as well. And so how do you know if your heart is burning for Jesus? When your heart burns for Jesus, that's my line there, when your heart burns for Jesus, number one, you have an insatiable appetite for his word. 
you desire and hunger for God's word, that's when you know your heart is really burning for him. Matthew 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Your heart is burning for the word of God. When you leave Sunday morning service, and there was a really great message about the word of God being preached, you go home and you search the scriptures for more because the scriptures are all connected with each other. It's the word of God. And so you're like, man, that was a great story about in Luke 24. I want to go read the next chapter. You're like, there's no more next chapter. I'm going to read John chapter 1 or Acts chapter 1, and your heart's burning for more. And then the next moment you realize you just spent two hours in God's word, and you still want more. That's when you know your heart is burning for him. Our daughter Zoe, she has a heart. <laughs> she does. And she, her heart is, is, is working harder than, than a normal heart because of the, the, the surgery and because of the pulmonary valve that's not there. And so it causes her to be hungry all the time. Like seriously, all the time. On the way to church, after church, during church. And so she wants to, to, to eat because her, she, her heart is burning so many calories. Even though she's super tiny and skinny, she, her heart is still burning calories. And so uh, we probably need, as, as Christ followers, if your heart is burning, here's something really cheesy, but you're, you're going to remember it. You need a lot more Bible calories. You like that? Yeah, there we go. Bible calories. Your daily Bible calorie may, might be low. You might be taking like a, a hundred calories a day in the Bible, which is like one little verse, or when you pull up your, your iPhone, and you're like, what's the verse of the day? Bible gateway? All right, thank you, verse of the day. And you read it real quickly, and that's it. And you expect to live off of that, right? Then you realize, wait a second, my heart's burning for more than just the daily verse of the day. What can I get? Then you read the Word of God for yourself, and you begin to create your own devotions out of the Word of God. You create your own um, hunger for, for more of the Word. All right, next. Oh, and we see that in that story of the road to Emmaus. We see that their appetite for the Word, they wanted more, right? They invited him in. They invited Jesus, and they wanted more. You could tell that in that story. Next, your heart, you know when your heart burns for Jesus is you have a strong disdain for sin, you don't want sin. You don't like it. You've been around the holy, perfect God. He's done a work in your heart. He's taken away sin, and you realize that freedom. And so when your heart's burning for Jesus, when sin comes at you, temptation comes at you, you hate it. Mm, I don't like that. I hate that sin. Get it away. All right? Do you agree with that one? Maybe? All right. When your heart burns for Jesus... You can't wait to spend alone time with him. Kind of going along with that hungering for God's word. Psalm 84, 1 and 2 says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My heart cries out for the living God. They wanted to spend, those two disciples wanted to spend more time with Jesus that's why they rushed back to try to find him. Man, I want more. How often do we encounter Jesus, maybe on a Sunday morning, we encounter Jesus here, and our hearts are burning, but yet we don't rush back to get more of him. That happens, that happens to me often. Like, oh, that was good. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And then I just carry on with my own self. There's also other times when I'm burning for more, and I rush to find him wherever I go. And so these disciples rushed back to find Jesus. They found him. They got what their heart was desiring, was more of him. So your heart burns. You know your heart burns when you can't wait to spend time with Jesus. Next, when your heart burns, 
You want to be around other Jesus followers. You want to be around that, that other burning heart in somebody else. You realize the value in that person where they're burning for Jesus. And you know if, if you're around them, then their burning heart is contagious and you're going to get even a brighter burning heart, a more on fire heart. In Ephesians 4, 11, it talks about the, this ministry. I want to talk about this, this, the church here, the church, being around other people of the, of the faith. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes, scheming. And so you see, when your heart is burning, you want to be around this this body of Christ because you want to reach that fullness of Jesus. You want your heart to be burning for more. Maybe your heart needs to be around an, an, an evangelist in that, in that scenario, scenario. Maybe you're like, man, I, I want to go and spread the word of God, but I don't really know how. But I see, you know, here's e- Evangelist Mike right here. I see that he goes and does things at, at uh, Orange Park Mall, and he talks to people about the love of Jesus. So I see that there's a burning heart in Mike for evangelism, for telling people about the Lord. There's something in my heart that's missing with that. I need to spend time with Mike and see where he is with his evangelism, how the Lord is working on his heart and burning on his heart for evangelism so that I can get that as well, so that I can be full in Jesus. Because I know that Jesus is calling me to evangelize. And so you go around those people that are evangelizing. Maybe you want to be a teacher of the word of God. So you see somebody in the body of Christ, and you're like, well, that person's really burning to teach the word of God to people. I want that too. So I'm going to spend time with that person so that I can get what they have in Jesus as well. This is the body of Christ, burning with each other. We're burning for each other. On Sunday mornings, I want to give you an assignment. Can I do that? On Sunday mornings, when you come to church, I want you to pray, ask the Lord, to give you an encouraging word for somebody when you show up to church so that you are providing through the Lord. He's providing through you for someone else on a Sunday morning so that the fire that's in here, the heart of this church, continues to burn. Think about this church having a heart, one heart. And we come in here with our burning hearts and we add fuel to that fire. And then all of a sudden, this place is just burning and burning and burning for Jesus, all of us, so that when someone with a cold heart comes in, they have nowhere to go. (laughs) Their heart is going to be, boom, on fire just in an instant. That can happen. The presence of the Lord can be here so much in that way. His fire is burning so much that when a cold heart comes in, it's just they're faced with it right away. Right when they walk in the door, they're faced with, do I want to give my heart to Jesus or do I want to walk out of this building right now? (laughs) So, you know your heart is burning for him when you want to be around other Jesus followers. You know your heart is burning for him when you have a strong desire for his return. Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Speaking of the body of, the body of Christ, we are a bride burning for our groom to return. 
as one people, spotless bride. We don't like sin, okay? We want the return of Jesus to happen. We desire him. As the bride, we're smiling, right? As the body of Christ, we smile. I think the body of Christ, the people of Christ should be the most smiling people. Is that a sentence? I don't know, but you get my point. We should be smiling more often than not because our groom is returning, the perfect groom, Jesus, is returning. Have you ever seen a bride standing up front frowning? Great. Wait, I guess the, sorry, the groom would be the other way. There you go. The bride walking in, have you ever seen her frowning as she walks up to their groom? No, I haven't. If I have, I'd probably walk out. It'd be a really awkward wedding. Like, oh my gosh. I don't think this, they want to get married. No, the, the, the bride is smiling, waiting to, to be married. This is us. All right, let's work through a couple more here. You uh, have a burning heart. You know your heart is burning when you love to worship Jesus. Sunday morning, you're just, that's your, your home. You're just like, yes, I love to worship Jesus. Uh, outside of here, you worship Jesus. I was talking about I'm, I've, I've been trying to run and, and work my way up to doing that, that, that half marathon and you see these disciples who ran back those seven miles. And they ran back, but they were, they were energized, and they, they kept going. I've noticed that when I listen to worship music as I run, there is a spark that happens. I ran the Gate River Run last, last time it was here, and I had a playlist going, and I was listening to uh, non-Christian music. But I was listening to some music. Let me get, uh, did I just admit that? Is that okay? But then... I was like at mile eight of, of mile nine, or maybe it was like seven, and I, had, I knew I had a, a, a couple more miles to go, and all of a sudden, a worship song came on, and I was like, and I felt it, okay? I felt the energy rise up in me that got me through the rest of that race. And so listen to worship music, because you are in a race called the human race. And so as you listen to worship music, wherever you go, you feel the energy of Christ rising up in your heart, burning your heart for more, and you can keep going and going and smile, okay? You have a burning heart. You know you have a burning heart when you have no fear. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. If you have fear in your heart, there might be a small portion of your heart that's not burning for Jesus. It's not made perfect yet in love. And I'm not, I'm not, this morning, I'm not speaking to you guys as if my heart is completely like, in go, like all 100%. You know, I'm not Jesus, okay? I'm just sharing with you as another burning heart for Jesus, okay? I can tell you that, that my heart is burning for Jesus. And I notice things in my heart when I have fear, I notice it. And I'm like, I have fear. What is that? And I recognize that, and I realize I need to spend more time with perfect love, Jesus himself, so that he can take away that fear, because I don't want it. I've been doing ministry at a school. I've been, I've been working at a school out in Baker County, McClinney. So I have a little, if you can tell, a little, a little accent now, because I'm out there every day. So I'm out there, and we do, uh, it's a Christian school, and, <laughs> and there's uh, ministry every Friday. We do a chapel service. And so I've been praying for these students, and the Lord's been um, highlighting students and things about their lives to me as I pray for them. And, and one of the things I've noticed is that uh, these kids uh, feel a lot of um, 
fear. There's this one student I was praying for, and he felt fear. He felt terror in the night. We prayed for him, and he began to release that fear through weeping. So there might be some things in your heart, maybe it's not fear, maybe it's something else, that needs to be released, and you need to be delivered from it, and it might come through weeping and tears, and you need to be okay with that, okay? Yes, we need to smile as Christ followers, but we also need to weep. We need to get things out and be delivered. As the Lord ministers to you and his presence ministers to you, those things leave, and you're delivered, and tears begin to flow. All right, we need that. And so these students were being released from this, this fear, and I could tell that their hearts were starting to burn. You know your heart is burning when you have hope. Romans 5.5. 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know your heart is burning when you have hope. Let's keep going. You know your heart is burning when you have no shame. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12 says that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he despised shame. He put it in its place. He did away with shame. And so when your heart is burning, you don't have shame. You feel the presence of the Lord. You're smiling. You're, you're joyful. You don't let anything get you. So I've been on a lot of mission trips in my life. Growing up, I was fortunate to be a part of a church that went overseas a lot and did other things in the States. And so one of our mission trips, all right, here we go. <laughs> this is, I'm sharing a story. I'm about to share a story. This is one of my favorite stories ever that's happened to me. It's really funny, and, and I just love it. So here we go. I'm sorry. You'll see why I'm so hesitant about sharing this story because it's really crazy. But part of mission trips was as I went on mission trips, I felt like, I didn't have any shame, right? You could do things that you couldn't do at, at home for some reason. You're like, I'm on a mission trip, so that means I'm extra holy, right? So I'm extra Jesus-y, so I'm going to be in people's face and do whatever it takes. And so part of the mission trip, we went to Boston, and we did VBSs. We did vacation Bible schools where we, where we got kids in the, in the church, invited them around the neighborhood, and, and they came to the church, and we would do stories with them and illustrations and preach the gospel to them. And part of this church, what they did is they had this purple monkey suit, this big purple monkey suit, that you would get into and you would stand outside the church and kind of like, you know, wave and do your thing. And so, of course, me, I'm like, that's me. Give me that purple monkey suit. I'm the purple monkey in Boston this week. So I was doing this, you know, doing that thing. I had no shame. Just like my heart's burning for Jesus, so I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know, I'm a purple monkey. Come on, kids. And actually probably did more damage than good. They left. They didn't want to come. But we were thinking one night, you know, let's take this purple monkey suit and let's uh, take it to our hotel. Like, can we borrow it? So we borrowed it from the church. So we pulled up into the hotel, and I'm putting the purple monkey suit on. I noticed there's a bunch of cars outside of this hotel. I'm like, what's going on? Like, there's a wedding going on. I'm like, oh, wedding? In the, there was a wedding, in, like a wedding thing going on, um, a reception. And so I was like, I can't do this now. The plan was just to put the purple monkey suit on and walk up to the, to the, uh, to the room. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I've committed myself. I have no shame. It's just, you know, at that point, it wasn't really for Jesus. It was just for, for fun. So I put it on, and I'm walking up, and I'm, like, walking through the, the, the hallways, and people are looking at me, and we were going up the elevator to, like, the eighth floor, but it stopped at the second floor. It's like, okay. It opened it up, and there was this woman, probably drunk, and she's like, oh, my gosh, come here, come here, and notice it was the, uh, the, the mother of the bride, and she's like, you got to come, you got to come into the wedding, the reception, and I'm like, Ooh. I was a purple monkey, so I didn't talk, 
So I'm walking in there to the reception. The doors open up. There's hundreds of people in there. I'm in a purple monkey suit, and I'm going into the, the dance floor. The dance floor opens up, and I'm in the middle doing the YMCA, doing the Homer Simpson on the floor. I'm doing all the dances I can think, right? And they were loving it. And then later on, they, they, I guess they picked me up and threw me out. But anyways, I was a purple monkey in Boston. It was amazing. I always look for the videos on YouTube, but I can't find them. Anyways, so for that story, you know, I just had no shame. I realized that when I had no shame, I actually had access to places that I would never had access to. I was inside of a wedding reception. Now, I wish I could tell you that at the end of the story, I witnessed to the bride and told him Jesus loves her, but I didn't do that. So anyways, that, w- that would have been a better story. But I realized that um, there was no shame in doing things for the Lord. All right. Now that story's out of my way. <laughs> Next, your heart is burning when you, f- you, you know your heart is burning when you feel lighter. There's a lightness, is that a word? To uh, being in the presence of Jesus. You feel um, those things on your life being taken away. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is Jesus. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So with these, with these, story, um, with these kids at my school, during one of the Friday services, there was a boy uh, that was praying, and I came up to him. I just felt like the Lord was like, hey, <laughs> begin to... Um, Tell him you're pulling arrows out of his back. And I thought of that uh, from actually from the Christian Healing Ministries. There's um, sometimes in Christian Healing Ministry, the um, organization that Gary Webb's a part of, part of the prayers one time someone prayed for me was that they uh, said there's accusations and things that the enemy has thrown at you, and they're like darts in your back, and they're sticking in your back, and they're making you feel weighed down. It's like, yeah. And so they began to actually, you know, imagine pulling darts, arrows out of my back. And when they did that, I felt lighter. And so I was like, I, th- I think I'm supposed to do this with this boy. And so I began to do that, and I could just tell he was being ministered to the Lord, ministered by the Lord. He was crying, and I was pulling things out of his back. And, and later on, I talked to him, and he was like, man, that was so correct. That was such the word of God that you, that you gave me. And I could just sense his, his, his presence on, on this student, and he was feeling lighter. And later on that day, I could tell he was just standing up straight. Next, your heart is burning when you feel rested. You feel rested. These two disciples, after seven-mile walk, they were in the presence of Jesus. They said it was evening. I'm sure they were tired, but yet they got right back up, energized, rested, and ready, and they ran back for more of Jesus. And so when your heart is burning for Jesus, you feel lighter. You feel rested. This is why we have Sabbath. All right, last last two here, three, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close and get to a point where we're just going to pray. Next, when your heart is burning, you recognize your need for God. You recognize your need for God and for more, that he is the sustainer of your heart. Matthew 5, verse 3, said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So you recognize as a burning heart, you recognize you're bankrupt without God. You have nothing to offer anything without God. You're just dust and bones. You're a bag of dirt without God's presence inside of you. And if your heart's burning, you recognize that. And that's a good thing. Because if you don't recognize that, 
and you just live for yourself and you think you're following Jesus, but really you're following your own, your own pride, that's not good. The Lord needs to come and encounter you and break you down and let your heart burn for him. When your heart is burning, you love grace and truth. You want to administer justice with love. John 1, 14. Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. If your heart is burning for Jesus, you have the spirit of Jesus inside of you. You are now full of grace and truth. You want to administer that in your heart. You want to do that. You want to correct the wrongs that you see, the injustices happening. Your heart's burning for Jesus, so you want to do something about it in this world. This is a good thing. Last, you know your heart is burning for Jesus when you are excited to share your burning heart with someone else. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But if I say I will not mention his word, or speak any more in his name. This is Jeremiah the prophet. Every time he spoke, he was humiliated, broken down, beat up. And he's like, I'm tired of this, God. Do I really have to speak your word anymore? I don't want to, but when I don't speak your word, your, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. As you sit here, maybe your heart is burning and you're like, please be quiet and let me leave so that I can do something with my burning heart. I really want to talk to somebody about this right now. I want to go home and you're like, I know exactly who I need to talk to today. Your heart's burning and you want to share it with someone else. You see these disciples on the road, they wanted to share it. They ran back looking for Jesus and then they saw the disciples and they shared what was happening about their burning heart. Your burning heart needs an outlet. It needs to get out. Or you're going to be weary of holding it in. you got to get it out. A couple weeks ago, we had uh, Andrew Chalmers come in here and share a message about evangelism. And when he shared those stories, I don't know about you, but as he shared stories about evangelizing to strangers and giving them prophetic words, my heart was burning to do that as well. It's like, ooh, that's good. Ooh, 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 yes, yes, yes. So what we began to do is we began to do something called Friday Night Lights, and we would go to Oakleaf football games. And we would go to those football games, and we would just pray and ask the Lord to give us a word for somebody around us. And we go there, and I show up, and I'm like, I don't know. I had a couple of youth with me. I'm like, what do we do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just here. I just feel like the Lord was telling me to come here, so I'm here. And so I'm like a little bit grumpy about it, but I'm also burning. I'm like, okay, who, who can I get? Who can I get? And so I'm praying as I'm praying and walking along. All of a sudden, it was like once I did one, with one person, once I told one person, about the love of God. That's all I was doing, walking around asking people and talking to people about the love of God. Once that happened, I stepped out in faith and did that. It was like a floodgate was opened up, and then all of a sudden the Lord was like, hey, tell that person, that person, that person, that person. By the end of the night, I couldn't even tell that many people because there were so many people to tell. There's one person in particular that I told, and I kept seeing him all night. He walked past me, and I felt like the Lord was like, hey, go share with that person that I love him and just go with it from there. What? And he walked, oh, too late, God. He's already passed me. I'm going to go this way. I'll go this way. Somehow he's right there. Tell him I love him. Oh, I was just turning around. God, no, go back. He would go that way. Then all of a sudden, I'm walking, and it was, he just appeared. He just came out of the ground. This, this boy appeared. 
I turn around, and he's right in front of me, standing by himself. It's like, okay, he's by himself. Here we go. Hey, (laughs) the Lord loves you, and he cares about you. I wasn't yelling like that. The Lord loves you. He cares about you. He knows you. And all of a sudden, you know, he was a teenager, uh, a senior in high school, and he was kind of looking cool. You know, seniors look cool. High schoolers are cool. You know, looking cool, walking around like this, you know. And when I said that to him, all of a sudden, his downcast face lifted up. He lifted up, he stood up straight, and he smiled. Oh, thank you. Whoa, I wasn't expecting that, him smile like that. And I began to minister to him, and he said he's he's been away from the the, the Lord, he's been away from church. Uh, His family goes to church, but he just hasn't really, he hasn't been going. You know, he gave me me that, and so I began to encourage him. Two weeks later, I'm back at the, the football field, and that time, Nothing really was happening. I was actually pretty discouraged. I was like, man, I, really, I wasn't really being brave that night. The first night I was brave and told like 10 people. The second night I didn't really do much. But then this boy came up to me, and he noticed me, and he recognized me. And he, when he, same thing, he was kind of looking cool. He saw me, and all of a sudden he stood up and smiled. Hey. And he recognized me. He recognized the burning heart for Jesus inside of me, and his burning heart all of a sudden was burning again. He was feeling lighter. He was feeling joyful. He was smiling and he was around another burning heart. And I started talking to him, and he's like, man, I've been back at church. When I went to church, I told my pastor that I felt a call to ministry. Whoa. And he just began to tell me that. I got his number. I was like, because he's like, I don't really know the word of God. So I was like, oh, you're around the right person, because I want to teach you. I love teaching people the word of God. And so I'm going to encourage him, you know, in the word of God. And then a friend of his came by, and all of a sudden it switched. <laughs> he, like, switched back to cool guy, and then he, like, didn't even say bye to me, and it was kind of awkward, and it was just like I faded in the background. <laughs> Goodbye forever. I've got your number. I actually saw him. I saw him on the way out. He was, like, standing by the fence, and I saw him on the way out, and he was with his friend. I was like, see ya, man. His friend looked at him like, who's that? Don't worry about it. So anyways, all right. So you know your heart is burning for him when you want and you're excited to share the word with other people. I'm going to close here, so if you guys want to begin to play or whatever, Brian or Kayla. And then I'm going to just call uh, for prayer right now. Maybe there is something that I said that, you know, I, I think there was like 10, 11 things I said about those different burning points. Maybe there was, you know, all 10 of them. You're just on fire for the Lord. And everything I said was just like so dead on for you. And you're like, yes, this is me then great, be encouraged today and continue to do that. Continue to burn for him. Maybe there's a couple areas where um, maybe there's something missing there and you need prayer in one of those areas. Maybe you're just completely cold this morning and you're like, honestly, I don't care what you said today. My heart is so cold. But maybe there's part of you like, but I'm, I'm kind of interested in having a burning heart because it seems like it's the way to go. It seems like it's the right thing to have. And so maybe that's you this morning. So how do you get to that point where your heart is beginning to burn for him? Look in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says this about the Lord and, and starting this burning heart and this relationship with him. Do I have that, Scott? It says, uh, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, If you call upon him, you will be saved. And so maybe you're feeling that coldness in your heart because maybe you just haven't confessed that Jesus is Lord. Maybe there's someone in here that's never done that. 
Maybe someone is in here that uh, just needs to continue to, to confess right now. Jesus, your Lord, I want that heart for you. I want that burning heart. I want to be like these disciples who encountered you in your perfection. I want that. So let's begin to pray right now. If you want to come up front, you can come up front. And we'll pray for you. Father, thank you right now. I'm going to pray, and then um, they're going to play. You guys can come up. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for fathering me. Lord, you saw a you saw you saw a kid, God, and you knew he needed a father, and you came to rescue him. And I thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord, that you've you've saved my cold heart. You've warmed it with your presence and your love. I just pray, Father, if there's anyone in here, Lord, that doesn't have that. Lord, you begin to get them right now. Lord, you're an emotional God. You're full of love. I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone in here that maybe they have a head knowledge of you, God, but their heart's not in it. Maybe their heart's cold, their head's full of so much knowledge, but maybe their heart's cold, Father. I pray right now that your burning heart would come close to their cold heart, Lord. Or maybe there's a part in our hearts, Lord. Maybe we've been around you for a long time, but there's a part of our heart that has grown calloused because of the things. Maybe we have a spike on our heart because people have wronged us so many times in a certain area that we can't have real joy because this world is so mean and nasty and so our hearts mean and nasty. Lord, remove that in our hearts, Jesus. I thank you that you're working on our hearts right now, Father. That good fire. So if you need prayer, if you want to pray right now, the fire's hot up here. The fire's hot at the altar. So maybe you need to pray here right now. Thank you, Jesus.